Amuse-Bouche podcast. <laughs> Hi, uh, welcome to Amuse-Bouche podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Jordan. Joining me this week is my friend Jade. Uh, Jade is a comic artist, and I first met her several years ago, but we were on a panel in 2015? 2015? 2014? I think it was 2015. Yeah, I was I a food so. panel at SPX, and it was really awesome. Uh, you can actually find it on uh, YouTube. I will link it in the description box if you want to watch that. All right. Uh, how are you doing, Jade? Well, I'm not bad. Yeah, I totally forgot that they actually videotaped that all. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you can go find me being awkward on a panel. We're all, but we're all wearing cute chef hats and we're talking about food. Yeah. So, which is what... Yeah, we were all very awkward. Yeah. It was fine. And but I'm really excited That was my to... first time hosting a panel. Yeah. This is... And like this... I'm very excited to talk more food on this podcast today, yes. too. Yeah. Well, you've done quite a few things related to food. You have a dumpling zine, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so the dumpling zine, like, from several years ago, was kind of my first foray into doing kind of food-themed, illustrative, uh, comics-related uh, work. And since then, I've kind of uh, I've explored the topic even more. Um, I have launched my website, which is called dumplingheart.com, and there's... Uh, auto bio and also kind of some fictional works relating to mm -hmm. food on there. Uh, my most recent comic is called Half Moon Heroes, which is an homage to the wuxia fan martial fantasy uh, genre, and it has um, like dumpling making as part of uh, a trial for the characters in it. So it's oh, not, that's so yeah, cool. it's not strictly about food, but there's food in it. And um, and right now I'm also working on a graphic novel that. Uh, like kind of uh, Chinese food and uh, food culture and growing up in a restaurant mm -hmm. is heavily kind of related to my main character's uh, growth and experience. That's really cool. When does that book come out? The graphic novel? 2019. <laughs> so, oh, well, it, so it's a ways away. Yeah, but. It, yeah like <laughs> it's, it's my first uh, debut graphic novel. Um, it's being published by Scholastic. Uh, and oh, Scholastic! Yes. Wow, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, like you know, it's I mean, really excited to do it, and but it's definitely the biggest thing that I've worked on um, mm -hmm. up till now. Like, um, I've only been doing kind of like 24, 30 pages issues, like one-off short stories. So this mm -hmm. is like ten times that amount. Um, so it takes two years <laughs> to make. Yeah, basically, that's so cool, though. I'm really excited to read that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming it'll be like all ages. E. It is cause... middle grade. So yes, all middle ages. grade, yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I needed to ask you what you ate this week. Oh yeah. <laughs> so um, <laughs> yeah. What what did you eat this week? Um, gosh, I had like a few kind of things prepared for this, but uh, since you know we um, this is actually last week, but um, I visited my god aunt's restaurant with mm -hmm. my mom and my uncle because her this is a restaurant that she's had in this area for like fifteen years. Um, she's closing it um, at like kind of the beginning of this month and retiring. But um, so she has this like kind of Chinese Taiwanese noodle restaurant. But one of my favorite dishes from her restaurant is actually not a noodle dish. It's um, a salted fish and chicken fried rice. And wow. Yeah, <laughs> it's the best. Um, I actually don't like rice that much. I'm much more of a noodle and dough products person. Mm -hmm. And hers, her, uh, the fried rice from her restaurant is the only fried rice that I like. Period. Yeah, and it was really good. So, uh, is it? Do you know what? What is there like a special ingredient that I makes like it better? Salt. So, 
Um, I think a, with a lot of kind of stir fry dishes, like uh, you, it's really hard, but it's also very ideal to achieve that uh, flavor that they call wok hay, which is this like kind of smoky mm -hmm. um, flavor that you get from a well-seasoned wok in high, high flame. So it's hard to achieve at home. It's just not like for, for like stir fry dishes to that degree, it's not very practical to make them at home. And then that coupled with the flavor of the salty salted fish is just like a this like flavor bomb combination in your mouth. And um, yeah, and that the, sounds really good. Yeah, the rice is really fluffy if it's fried well. So it's just kind of it's very like kind of uh, delectable like kind of moment. And uh, despite being a rice dish, which usually I feel like I don't eat a lot of rice because it fills mm -hmm. me up so fast, I can. Just, I have the yeah. same problem with rice. Yeah, like it's noodles. Super filling. Yeah, noodles. I can like you know down like two bowls straight yeah but rice it's like i have like you know like two spoonfuls and i'll be full but this rice this fried rice is you know i can eat an entire like giant bowl of it so but i'm really oh, bummed man. yeah I'm, I'm on the one hand i'm really bummed out that like her restaurant's closing so i won't have access to this fried rice uh anymore as in, before her restaurant closed in the last week i went there twice and ordered this fried rice twice so, <laughs> you gotta get it all in yeah and i'm like you know <laughs> yeah so um i have to like memorize the flavor and then i will probably start experimenting at home to try to like recreate this dish but again it's really mm -hmm. hard to like stir fry with high heat at home yeah. yeah so unless you have like a really good um kind of like those kitchens that have those um overhanging um filter yeah like yeah the smoke filter type thing but that is not my apartment, unfortunately. That's <laughs> not mine either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, since could you like get tips from yeah. your aunt? Well, I mean, she's not the one that makes it, right? It's her chef. Oh, I see. Yeah. I so, see. I don't know. Yeah. Like, okay. Um, and I feel like that's definitely kind of a chef secret type of thing. Uh, I, um, I get chef. Yeah. Like I can ask, <laughs> but he'll probably be like really. He might be a bit tight. KG. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. What a bummer. <laughs> But yeah, I think uh, experimenting on your own is such a great idea. Uh, I feel like I always come into my best work sometimes when I'm trying to recreate something I had at a right. restaurant. Yeah. And then I can actually like make it more what I would want to eat rather than just the restaurant version. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like that'll it'll be a good challenge for you. Yeah. I definitely Did you eat anything? Yeah. Go ahead. Like there's been a few times where um I've had like a food memory uh, from someplace that it just it just left such a like kind of a uh, memory on me that um, mm -hmm. that I want to like kind of recreate again. But yeah, like on the one hand, it's like, you know, you're whatever you have at home or like you don't know quite exactly what they did to like make it taste just right. Mm -hmm. So what you make, it's not always it's not always going to like taste the same. And sometimes that drives me nuts. But on the other yeah. hand, like you, you can also have like happy accents where you make it like, oh, hey, this is something someone knew and as you know like my family they they're really serious about making dumplings and that's why like in my mm -hmm. stories I focus on dumplings so much and for when I first started kind of living on my own and having to make dumplings from scratch on my own a I wasn't very good at a lot of parts because there's so many different parts to the process of making dumplings that yeah I was really good at folding and I knew how to like make dough sort of but like, you know, I didn't make it as well as my uncle. It didn't have the right texture mm -hmm. or like the stuffing wouldn't have like the right soupiness or the flavor. Mm -hmm. And I was so frustrated for a really long time uh, that it, it wasn't just quite right. But I don't know. The more that you kind of make it too, like 
following that memory, the more you make it your own. Yeah, so. definitely. Uh, I think um, with family rec- recipes in particular, sometimes, because like I have the same experience mm-hmm. like my well, with Southern food, because my mom's family was very Southern mm-hmm. and it was all about Southern recipes. But uh, it, I feel like in anything I make, like every time I make biscuits, they're not quite as good as my mom's. <laughs> and my mom's were never quite as good as my great-grandmother's. Like they're all a little different. Yeah. But... I'm always chasing that yeah that great grandmother biscuit mm-hmm. right yeah and yeah. Um, i mean then there are some like there are some foods i feel like it's just not in my wheelhouse to cook like i don't mm-hmm. have as much experience with um i guess i mean this sounds kind of like a weird thing to say but i don't really have as much experience making burritos at home like there's only i can only count on like one hand like how many times i've attempted a burrito at home but i love burritos um but I usually, I, that's so interesting yeah, to me like you know because i don't know i think there was like i once kind of read some interviews with chefs they're like well what's one thing that you know you love to eat but you don't make at home and for a lot of kind of uh, sh- uh like kind of western american chefs um they said sushi which i mean that makes sense because you know yeah you have to have access to fresh fish and you know it's laborious it's something that maybe like you know yeah going to a good res- good sushi restaurant will satisfy that um, mm-hmm. I feel like in theory, burritos seem easy to make at home, but it doesn't feel as satisfying. <laughs> so, and I, I totally agree. Yeah. And do like, you like a Chipotle burrito or is it like a specific oh burrito you're going for? So I have a few different burrito romances <laughs> that have basically ruined Chipotle for me forever. Um, uh-huh. yeah, the first time was kind of, I, I don't even remember the name of the restaurant, but I went uh, to, it was just in Brooklyn, and like, I don't know, some friends took me to this like, um, uh, uh, this burrito and taco place, and they just had like these, this like, I don't know, this most flavorful uh, burrito, I believe it was like kind of fried pork on the inside with, uh, with, with a green salsa. And it was just, I don't know, it was at once super, super filling, super, super, um, flavorful and melt on your like you know tongue like um comfort but also refreshing and the only thing i remember about it was that it was called the hot blonde which is like a weird name for a burrito but i don't know it just just left such an impression on me and i didn't eat i didn't eat a chipotle burrito for like half a year after that because i'm like it's not going to compare and then recently um several months ago i visited a friend in california and this was my first time Mm -hmm. visiting california she this is northern california and i ate a Mm -hmm. lot of burritos um (laughs) yeah yeah and it was like and they were all amazing and um gosh like i also like totally forgot the name of like the burrito place but it was uh because she this was in like sonoma county and Mm -hmm. um i had the best burrito i had was from a food truck there and it was like a I had a fish burrito. It's like you know, usually have fish tacos, but I had a fish burrito, and it was amazing. I feel like I'd be I'd be yeah. way more down with a fish burrito than right. a fish taco. So, I'm more of a burrito person than a taco. Yeah, me too. General, I feel like though. it's more satisfying. It's like bigger and like yeah, all together. I don't know. And it like, doesn't make as much of a mess. Mm-hmm. And I mean, well, these like, these burritos got messy the way I ate them. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, you, you, uh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, I had like a weird love affair with Chipotle like over the winter because I had never had it until like two years ago really? and I ate it and it was way too wet oh. and I was like it's too wet I don't like this and then I didn't have it again for like another two years and then we got it at work one day and I ate it and I was like oh 
oh, this is this is really good. But it's like a different thing from the kind of other like Tex-Mex or Mexican food that I would eat. Like I don't go into a Chipotle burrito expecting it to be yeah, I mean, the same. You kind of, I kind of feel like uh, I get Chipotle when I just need to like be not hungry. <laughs> I guess. And yeah, yeah, it's a ton of food yeah. for a, for a fairly low price point. Yeah, but I mean, I definitely kind of, um, I I don't know. Like once you have like for real a um, a really good burrito, I kind of feel mm-hmm. like it just ruins Chipotle for you forever <laughs> and. Um, and uh, I'm thinking about it. It's like ever since I came back from California, I don't think I've had a Chipotle burrito uh, for a while now. And I'm sure I'll go back when necessity. Yeah. Like, um, I think uh, I was born in San Diego and I lived there till I was about six or seven. Mm-hmm. And then we lived in Iceland briefly. But I had friends who lived in Texas. Or not friends, sorry. Uh, relatives that live in Texas. I also have friends that <laughs> live in Texas. Yeah. But I have relatives that live in Texas. So a lot of my childhood was like really, really good Mexican food. So I don't think as an adult I've had very good Mexican food, mm. and I think I'm, I just my bar has been so low mm-hmm. since that I, it would be great to go back to California yeah. and get really good Mexican yeah. food. Though the name of the food truck I mean, that that's where yeah. it is. The name of the food truck that I had, in my humble opinion, in like an uneducated, uh, in Mexican <laughs> food opinion, the best burrito was called El Roy's. So yeah, okay. yeah, El Roy's. I'm gonna look it up. They had a magnificent fish burrito that left a great impression on me and yeah like so but at home I'm just like you know I can try to recreate it but it will not be the same as my memory mm-hmm. um yeah so uh sometimes I chase it it's it, it kind of feels like I'm chasing like an illusion sometimes I chase yeah. it yeah oh absolutely but, um, yeah yeah like my latest kind of like try and try again ex- kitchen experiment has been uh spring rolls <laughs> so oh yeah um because i bake them again frying is not very practical in my home kitchen but mm-hmm. yeah it's you know like spring rolls are like so cheap at like kind of restaurants and they're like appetizers that you just pop in your mouth and yet they're so difficult to make to make right yeah yeah i have never attempted yeah <laughs> so it's really hard i guess if you're not frying them it's really hard to get them like the right level of flakiness and mm-hmm. um the right level of stuff like my last attempt i overstuffed it and it, and it split uh, in the oven uh-huh. um and it's all in it took me a long time to get that roll right because you, you fold it up like an envelope and then you have to get it a tight roll mm-hmm. on it and it's really hard actually it's a lot of you know first of all like you know the things that you stuff in it it has to be like cut very very like thinly so mm-hmm. that when you put it in there, it doesn't jut out in weird angles and lumps. Um, I didn't even consider that. I thought yeah. more about the, so that it cooks quickly. I didn't even think about the fact that it would jut out at weird angles. Yeah, I mean, then that's how, like, you know, it, it would split easily if the, like, I think I, I don't think I cut my carrots thin enough and it, like, kind of split my, um, my spring mm-hmm. rolls, unfortunately. So, but, um, yeah, no, spring rolls are hard. They're strangely hard and, um. I appreciate it that much more when I go to a restaurant and they, and they make a good crispy spring roll. Yeah, I uh, love to get just soup. I love soup. <laughs> yeah, soup. Uh, and it's a lot of times soup that I wouldn't usually make mm-hmm. at home. Usually very, very good. Mm-hmm. I also am a big fan of, um, I mean, sushi. Yeah. I love sushi. I've actually really been into sushi the last couple of years. Because uh, I, I, like, I had a weight loss surgery and I can't eat that much at once. Sushi oh. feels like... 
I eat, I can, it almost feels like I can eat like a, a, a whole meal in like two bites. Yeah. It has all it's your got food a little groups. bit of everything. Yeah. Like exactly. it has veggies, has protein, has your carbs. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, and yeah, it's, it's a complete food pyramid. It's very in one satisfying. Bite. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's very satisfying to me because like, just since I had weight loss surgery, I just can't eat as much as I used to. And there's a lot, I, not, it wasn't like anxiety about like finishing my plate, mm-hmm. but I always have a lot of leftovers. Mm-hmm. But like when I eat a bite of sushi, I don't know, like it just feels very filling, but also refreshing. Like, like it was it, refreshing. Yeah. yeah. But it, like, like it was designed for the size of my stomach. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I can eat like one or two of these and I'm good. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like I've like, wasted anything i don't know because it's also like the, one of the most like easiest foods to share with other people yeah mm-hmm. yeah I, i'm a big fan of, of the sushi yeah i mean uh, like sushi gosh um yeah i love sushi and yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't, it's just like, like oh, i think about sushi and I, and I just have like heart eyes because i don't know even know what i could say about it because i'm like yeah sushi's great it's delicious and i just love it so <laughs> Like, it can be very indulgent, but mm-hmm. also be very, like, good for you. Yeah, I think so. Like, yeah, yeah. like, I feel like it, it can kind of be anything. Like, it can be vegetarian, mm-hmm. but it could also be very, like, meaty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. Like, I feel like there's a sushi for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, personally, I'm, like, really biased because I love fish. So, um, mm-hmm. like, a good raw tuna is, like, heaven. I, oh, yeah. Like, a, like I, melts in your mouth tuna is, like, ugh. Perfect. Tuna's amazing. I recently had eel like just a couple years mm-hmm. ago and I love eel mm-hmm. and I did not think I was going to, but it's delicious. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. My uncle. So it's kind of like my family members, like uh, the older generation, they all have experience kind of like at managing restaurants, like working mm-hmm. in Chinese restaurants and whatnot. And it's uh, interesting because a lot of times like Chinese Americans uh, who start restaurants in the United States. Uh, will oftentimes have sushi on the menu as well and a sushi uh, chef. Mm-hmm. Uh, so California rolls were like kind of like a pretty common midnight snack for me and my brother. Um, like whenever our parents came back from work, it's like, hey, I bought you a box of California rolls. And we're like, yay. And like, uh, we just pop into our mouth like candy. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of kind of like our home cooking would sometimes incorporate more Japanese ingredients as well, alongside kind of very, very traditional Chinese mm-hmm. dishes. And one of my uncles makes a really, really good eel rice. Um, like, that sounds awesome. Yeah, and it's like really, like, I don't, I should actually get the recipe from him because it's, he makes it for like potlucks where he has to feed a lot of people. And it's just yeah. really big tray of rice uh, with like kind of the barbecue eel on top and it's really yummy. So it's kind of like, um, you know, the same flavor of eel uh, sushi, but mm-hmm. in bigger quantities. <laughs> so, and it's like only worth making, or I'm I don't know if it would even be that much effort. But I know what you mean, like yeah. about like you only make it for potlucks. Yeah, like there are certain dishes that are just meant like better for potlucks. There's certain dishes that like you, if you want to upsize it for potlucks, it would just be unmanageable. And yeah. I, Ever since I started, like, cooking and participating in my family, like, kind of Lunar New Year's potlucks a bit more actively than just showing up to eat, um, I've mm-hmm. learned that the hard way. <laughs> like, there's some things that are not easy to transport. They're not easy to make in large quantities. And, you know, you'll just drive yourself nuts. 
Or like are supposed to be eaten like right after they're cooked as opposed to transported at all. And again, spring rolls is a big problem because by the time you transport them to somewhere, they're not crispy anymore. They're soggy. Yeah. Yeah. So. Do you ever think about like, okay, so like as a kid, you'll eat pizza Mm -hmm. and then there'll be pizza leftovers. Yep. And like you microwave the pizza and then the pizza's kind of bad. But But like, do you have any like... (laughs) It's like you have those positive associations of eating pizza as a kid, so you're almost like, I like that. Like, that's good. Yeah, I mean, you know what they say about, like, pizza. It's like, oh, bad pizza is still pizza or something. Yeah. Like, I think then there's, like, definitely, I mean, it's as we speak right now, I have, like, three slices of, like, you know, leftover pizza in my fridge that, <laughs> yeah, that I might eat later um, if I'm too lazy to cook <laughs> another meal for myself, so... Um, I just mean, like, sometimes, like, when something's bad, mm-hmm. like, like leftover spring rolls, mm-hmm. maybe, like, you would actually like a leftover spring yep. roll because yep. you have, like, you you know what I mean. Yeah, and it's also... You know how, like, like there's that, that idea that, like, Chinese food's better the next day cold and stuff like that? Oh, yeah, like, a, lot of people, like a lot of people are like, yeah, cold Chinese food is a great hangover cure. And, you know, <laughs> like, when I was younger, when I, I was like that's kind of rude but now as I'm older and have had like certain experiences under my belt I'm like yeah man that's <laughs> sometimes I just yeah like, yeah sometimes I just want a cold low man after like, I just love a food night of cold drinking. okay like yeah yeah I love like cold macaroni and cheese I love cold chili I love cold pizza I love pretty much everything cold yeah. the next day I mean that's just my preferred yeah. way of eating there are actually like there is I guess, I mean, they're not quite appetizers, but there are, like, subsets of uh, kind of food in Chinese cuisine that's meant to be served cold. Um, Mm -hmm. And they're called, like, they're usually called, like, liangban, which means, like, it's not quite a pickle, it's not quite a salad, it's kind of in between. Um, Yeah, like, but they're usually kind of, like, uh, like, you know, yeah, obviously, like, kimchi kind of falls under that, too, even though it's Korean, Mm -hmm. but there's, like, um, pickled cabbages in um, Chinese cooking, too. But, like, there's a there's a Szechuanese uh, noodle that's really simple like that. It's like, it's just noodles, often cold, uh, mixed with a spicy peppercorn sauce and vinegar and garlic. Mm-hmm. And that's usually like a like fast appetizer um, type of thing. And it's really yummy and it's better cold. Um, and it's then, kind of like a pasta salad. like Yeah, kind of. But like, yeah, it's definitely more savory and like, you know... Um, and then there's like uh there's a ton of other like kind of dishes that are kind of cold plates like that um that are mixed with like a cold chili sauce um mm-hmm. and like there's a, I think it's like a I think it's sweet potato powder jelly um and savory jelly not a not a sweet jelly uh, mixed with again garlic uh, hot peppercorn and like chili oil type of thing. And it's it's wonderful. I'm, just, I'm <laughs> imagining this. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it sounds. Really I think good. like it, the texture gets people sometimes. Like you know, it's it, if you're not used to kind of a more like slick jelly texture that's uh, for savory dish, mm-hmm. then that would throw people off a bit. But um, mm-hmm. anyway, growing up, I feel like before we ate the main stuff, like there was always be some sort of like pickle slash not quite salad on the table. Like, that sounds really good. Yeah. Did you would you ever eat that as like the whole meal, like that kind of thing, or would you, um, as a snack, or is it always an appetizer? You're not really supposed to eat it as a meal, but I definitely <laughs> know that like uh, there's been times when like my 
mom and uncle have made like you know a big quantity of that and then like you know when they're off doing something else i might just like you know go into the fridge and growing up like you know just eat it from the jar like yeah yeah like, like from inside the fridge yeah. like with the fridge door open yeah they'll come down and be like wait where did all my chili pickles go like <laughs> it's like oh i don't know <laughs> Oh. Yeah. Hey, where did the seaweed salad go? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> How does your family feel about your cooking comics um, and your dumpling zine? So I've showed it to them, and they're like, "Oh, that's nice." <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're like kind of. Um, I don't know. Like, I I feel like they're they don't. I feel my family has always been supportive of my like uh, work in comics and the arts, mm -hmm. but they also don't quite you know get it sometimes. Like you know sometimes when I'm like, oh hey uncle, I want to like you know practice making this thing with you so I can document it. And you know they're good sports. They'll like you know be like okay, but then they'll also be like why? <laughs> and I'm like well for posterity, you know it's important. I think uh -huh. they're like oh this is like you know this is just family stuff. It's not like like that amazing or whatever and I'm like well yeah. you know maybe you say that be I think they say that because they're used to it it's like kind of their part of their daily lives so yeah it's just like normal for them but for me I guess because I don't often do it as daily as they do um and because it's a part of a way for me to connect to I guess their home culture mm -hmm. uh, and I'd like to like bridge that and preserve that and share that with uh, my peers um, especially like the peers who wouldn't know anything yeah otherwise. exactly and you know and honestly like oftentimes um, I think that I like sharing these stories with other uh, Asian Americans as well too because they also have similar kind of um, stories maybe not necessarily with Chinese American but um, you know their friends who are like Filipino and like you know they have memories about like making um, pancit with their um, grandmas or you know stuff like that yeah, they, everyone has stories about like kind of connecting with um, some relatives through food, and I think that this is like, you know, this is what my family really uh, likes, and what we like says something about like kind of our family unity too. So, and I want to preserve that. Uh, my uncles and my uh, my mom sometimes don't quite get it. They're like, yeah, okay, <laughs> I guess. Like you know, you can come over. We're happy to have you and. You know, you can record on your little phone. Um, so they're cool with it. And then, did, like, do they know that mm -hmm. it's being read by other people? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, they know that it's, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, like, they know that, like, you know, non-Chinese uh, people are reading it, too. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, they're happy to share. I know that there's some, um, I know that some people are would be a bit more, um, uh, secretive or protective about it um my parents about their, their personal recipes yeah and my stuff. parents don't care <laughs> like, um they're like well you know <laughs> i guess it they're they're kind of like you know well if they're interested fine um you know that's that's very fortunate because yeah. if if they were very secretive it would be a lot harder for you yeah, to right. <laughs> make your comics yeah so you know they're pretty good sports about it that's awesome so when you're interviewing or like working with like family members to make these comics like do you like take photos for reference or like do you record things like audio wise and then use that information or that recording when you're writing or how do you kind of go from working with uh your family and then 
transcribing that into comic form? Um, sometimes I go off of a, a strong memory that I had. Um, you know, sometimes this has gotten me in hot water before too, because sometimes I'll remember things a certain way, and then I'll talk to my mom and my uncle and my grandma about it, and they don't remember. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. And... Uh, yeah. And then sometimes I have to be like, you know, remember this one time you made that dish and it was really cool. And literally there's a dish right now that I'm trying to track down. Um, but I think it was one of my mom's inventions and she doesn't quite remember <laughs> what she put in it. So mm -hmm. um, so when it comes to things like that, it can be kind of hard to recreate. And sometimes my comics, even though they are autobio, it's not it may or may not have been strictly exactly how that unfolded. Um, yeah when kind of researching things like okay like how to make something then i take pictures or uh, video record for my reference um and then i try it at home um mm -hmm. by myself um or I t i'll take notes like you know while my uncle's making it or something like that or i'll sous chef for him basically like and he'll direct mm -hmm. so that i get hands-on experience but i mean sometimes it can be difficult to the biggest like issue that I've run into in terms of kind of doing recipe comics is actually crafting the recipes themselves so that they're followable by readers. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, a lot of the times, like uh, my uncle, because he doesn't really measure, he just does things by like, um, I was thinking feeling. the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah. And he, well, he's been doing this for like 50 years, right? So Especially like, if it's like some, yeah, like yeah. it's like part of your daily life. You don't have to measure. Yeah. Anymore. So like, you know, he knows like how, like, you know, the tension of the dough or however it should be and something that i did notice because i looked up um i'm working on some on like revising my dumpling recipe right now and also kind of like writing some more recipes i actually haven't written that many recipes strictly um but in my research for it i noticed that other chefs dumpling recipes are all slightly different and um different reviewers uh have have said different things about it like I've noticed I go on Amazon and I just like kind of read like reviews mm -hmm. and some people will be like this is the best like you know recipe ever uh we made a bunch and it was great and then a totally different reviewer will be like this is the worst recipe ever the measurements are off the like you know whatever ratio came out and the uh stuff came out all wrong and having like kind of tried making dumplings on my own without the guidance of my uncle a few times like a lot now um i realized that even if you have all the measurements right or like exactly every time you do it may come out differently that is just how fickle dealing with dough um and kind of like things that you put in dough is um yeah yeah and it's so the how do you convey that in um you know recipe form and it's like do you test this recipe multiple times um and but what happens if each time you test it the results come out a little bit differently you know so that's the yeah i mean because that stuff with dough could be down to yeah. like the brand of something you use right or just how humid it is that right day. like you know and how did you need it how i yeah. don't know how warm is your hand or like you know <laughs> how, how, yeah. yeah i mean and one thing that i noticed that a lot of kind of like um recipe books that i read in english about making dumplings is that we like to measure uh, by like cups, but mm -hmm. like you know, when I researched into kind of like more Chinese videos and stuff, they measured by weight. And honestly, yes. a few more times now, that's like the one, one of the tricks I picked up is that measuring by weight is a lot more accurate than um, measuring by cups. 
that's something you find with any kind of like baking or mm-hmm. dough making. Right. Like it's especially like outside of America. Like America's very like cups yeah. and tablespoons mm-hmm. focused, but once you go to like the UK or like pretty much anywhere yeah. else in the world, it's all weights. Yeah. Uh, I had a friend on a previous podcast who was like, well, I don't really take this cookbook seriously because they don't measure it in weights because it was like a baking cookbook. Right? And I was yeah. like, yeah. you know, you're right. <laughs> it's really true, actually. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, and I feel like I got myself a scale because of it. And ever since I got a scale and I worked out my own ratio, um, like my dough has been a lot more consistent. So um, that's awesome. Yeah. Little tidbit weigh things <laughs> weigh your ingredients yeah. like if you want to get it super accurate or something but um what's uh like your favorite dumpling i'm that, like if you can pick a favorite or a top three or something I'm, like from yeah, i'm a traditionalist boiled uh tzu, which is the um your typical chinese um dumpling the horn shaped one so jiao actually mean like i think means a horn it describes mm-hmm. the crescent horn shape of it and um yeah, and I like the boiled ones the most. Um, a good boiled puffy dumpling is uh, chewy in the dough uh, and um, uh, soupy on the inside. So, and saying that, Ooh. saying that, I don't actually like soup dumplings the most. Soup dumplings uh-huh. require high, like you know, skill to make to get that thin, really, really thin, and then like a pouch of hot scalding soup on the inside. And the reason why I don't is because I feel like the filling on the inside, as flavorful and meaty as it is, doesn't have as much um, vegetable contents as a good um, boiled dumplings. You can get more versatile with stuffings that you put in boiled dumplings, uh, boiled jiaozi. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just adds that level of like kind of um, layered flavor. And my favorite uh, filling is fish and chives or fish and cilantro. And that is, that is uh, yeah, that's my specialty dumpling, actually. Like, I make a, uh, a boiled jiaozi with fish. Um, it's usually like a cod or like a, um, a bass. Um, uh, either mm-hmm. cilantro or chives, depending on like whatever is more available to me right then. And either um, water chestnuts or lotus root for a little bit of touch. That is, that sounds yeah, awesome. That's my specialty dumpling. <laughs> like, so... When like when I really want to imp- yeah when I really want to impress that's what I make <laughs> <laughs> your go to yeah. oh man is there a dumpling that you've tried to make that like you just cannot get right soup dumpling yeah shalom bao soup dumplings the again it's I just don't have the skill for it like and so, mm-hmm. um, I mean it's one of those things where like um because they're bow they're bow shaped so they're like kind of they're coin purse shaped right okay the the peel, the wrapper, has to be super, super, super thin. Um, otherwise, it just won't like kind of steam through. the mm-hmm. The way that they achieve their um, their soupiness is actually through gelatin. Um, oh, yeah, it's okay. yeah. So they like kind of gelatinize kind of like pork fat, um, uh, and then when it steams, it melts and creates pocket of soup. And you can do this, like, you know, what I use. I don't use like kind of gelatin. I use agar agar powder, which is mm-hmm. a like a seaweed um, extract. But still, it's like a like when I made it, it was just horrible. <laughs> like they were too thick, they were too like some of them popped. It was just mess. And like they say that um, the amount of folds, uh, like masters of making uh, Chinese like soup dumplings, um, have very 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 consistent folds. I forget how many it is. I think it's like eighteen or something. 
And it's like, wow. Yeah, and it's like. That's so many. Extremely minute, extremely like fine, like, you know, hand work that I'm honestly 100 years too, or, yeah, too early to like, you know, master. I, yeah. When you said 18, mm-hmm. I like was like, what? Yeah. I mean. Because <laughs> I was expecting a much lower number yeah, than that. Yeah. I, think, I think it's 18 or something like that. Like, master's. Wow. That, like, yeah. So, um, but yeah, like, I've attempted it, like, twice, and both times were massive failures. So, <laughs> yeah. Aww. Well, what's, uh, do you have, like, a favorite recipe that you don't necessarily make, but maybe you go home for and always expect, aside from the the rice from your aunt's mm. restaurant? Huh. The favorite recipe that I don't necessarily make? Yeah, like maybe you just like look forward to having it at like family gatherings or something. Ooh, um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, I also love soup, and my uncle knows that he makes a lot of soup for me. Um, so every time that it's around my birthday, um, I actually always ask my mom for kind of like the same thing because in in Chinese families we eat noodles on your birthday because mm-hmm. noodles symbolize longevity. Um, oh. So I always ask for uh, a hot and sour noodle soup um, from my mom, and her hot and sour soup recipe is different from uh, most um, other places' hot and sour soups. Um, and then in the other soup that I really like uh, from my uncle is he makes this um, this seaweed egg drop soup that's really good. We often mm-hmm. have that with. Uh, with uh, dumplings and um, and tuna sashimi at home. Um, yeah, so my mom's hot and sour soup, the reason why it's different is because uh, she uses tomatoes in her soup. Yeah. That sounds so mm-hmm. good. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like, because hot and sour soup was also kind of like, the origins of it was uh, like a medicinal soup. Like, the reason why it's mm-hmm. like hot and sour is because like clears your nasal, whatever, and um, allows your like, uh, blood to flow mm-hmm. more and you have like kind of things like mushrooms and daylilies in there that like have different kind of health properties um but i think like traditionally and kind of um you know oftentimes in restaurant it's more of a brown soup it's more uh kind of like soy based and um uh vinegar and whatnot mm-hmm. um my mom likes to achieve more of the sour and slightly just a little bit sweetness from tomatoes so she like fries tomatoes in the soup base and then like lets that really melt. <sighs> yeah, in there. So um, and the color, like the color of the soup is like very like, um, like golden red, red and golden type of thing. So it's very like festive mm-hmm. looking too. So I always ask her for that um, on my for my birthday soup. Um, and yeah, you know, she always thinks it's a pain in the ass because it's like there's so many <laughs> tiny little things I have to cut up and like you know. Um, make the soup for but um recently i've been uh making her soup at home as well too so man that soup sounds really good mm-hmm. i'm gonna play around with that a yep. bit in my own cooking i think yeah i'm actually i'm working on one of the things that's kind of like uh on my docket of um smaller projects to work on while i'm working mm-hmm. alongside this large graphic novel is i'm going to do a zine um kind of of recipes that um I've taken from my mom, and I'm calling it mm-hmm. right now. It's tentatively titled "Mom Noms." 
it's yeah. so good. So that soup is definitely going to be in uh, in there because it's uh, definitely like a soup that I strongly associate with my mom. Oh, so. yeah. What are, like, just if you want, mm-hmm. is there a couple other ones just, like, not explaining them, just, like, quick mm-hmm. other dishes that your mom makes that might be in there? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> so a... Um, an alternate PB&J. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm sorry, you, you said not explain it, but I kind of want to explain this anyways. Um, Do it, Yeah, like, so growing up, like, you know, bringing kind of lunch to school was always kind of, like, you know, fraught as a uh, Chinese-American kid because, like, you know, your classmates will be like, what, what is that? And, um, but so, like, you know, I think I, at some point I asked my mom for, like, sandwiches or something like that because, like, you know, kids always bring sandwiches to school. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's like, okay, that's fine. I love sandwiches. But her, what she would put in her sandwiches would be really weird, like, you know, combinations to um, other people. I ate it anyways because I didn't want to be hungry at school. But, I mean, as a kid, I thought it was odd, I, but I ate it. And then as an adult, I'm thinking back, like, yeah, that's still odd, but it's kind of endearing. So she would put, like, ham and jam and avocado. And like you had me until avocado. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, sometimes I'm kind of like, why avocado, mom? And she'd be like, because I like avocado. Like, so, um, she lived in California sometimes, so she loves avocados. Yeah, and um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so whenever she kind of like has an excuse to put avocado in something, she'll put an avocado in it. So yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So my mom's alternate jam sandwich is one of the things that I'll be in there. Um, Tomato, fried tomato and eggs is a Chinese kind of home staple. Again, a recipe that every family kind of knows, but like also does differently. And she definitely does hers differently um, than a lot of people I know. Um, Yeah. She also has a zhajiangmian, I can't pronounce it right, um, recipe, which there's a Korean version and then there's a Chinese version and she has this like Chinese version. Um, and it's kind of like, it's a Chinese, like kind of bean based meat sauce, uh, for noodles. Um, yeah. So those are a few of the things that I'm planning to have in there. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Do you know, not to rush you, do you know when that might be available? Probably in the fall ish. Yeah. Awesome. For like SPX or something. Yeah. Hopefully for that. Mm Mm-hmm. Are you tabling this year? I'm going to be sharing a table with a buddy of mine. So, yeah. I didn't awesome. uh, yeah, I didn't get in uh but like, you know, I had a friend who did and she's like, "Let's table together." So, I will be there. That's great. Yeah. I also well, I yeah, I live a metro stop away too, so I would I would be there anyways. You would definitely <laughs> yeah, be there regardless. Right. Yeah. Moving on, is there a food that you are obsessing about lately? Either you've been eating it like nonstop, mm-hmm. or you've been thinking about eating it nonstop. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so I started a, at a new job recently, and there's an Argentinian mm-hmm. cafe nearby, and they have really, really good empanadas. And uh, oh man, yeah, they have this one that's like uh, like empanada tucumana. Um, they have two versions one is beef and one is chicken and uh i like the chicken one more because it's more olivey there's olives Ooh. in it yeah like nice. so and yeah it's really good and i am very tempted to kind of go there like every week for lunch I, every day <laughs> I, I, mean, I, 
I have I have tried not to, but like yeah, yeah. yeah. But they have a really good lunch deal, oh, <laughs> uh, with like two empanadas and a um, a a, a choripan, which is like a Argentinian sausage um sandwich, and it's just Ooh. six bucks for all three. Wow, yeah, and I'm like that's amazing. Yeah. That is really good. Yep. So the you can't even like yeah. barely go to Subway for that much. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so and I get two empanadas and a sandwich for that. So um, at the the restaurant's called El Patio. Or, so it's a yeah, it's an Argentinian restaurant in uh, Rockville. Cool. I'm gonna link them in the description box. Yeah. Uh, what about what's a food that you just can't live without? Like, if a doctor mm. was like, "You can't have this anymore," you would be like, "It'd be like the end of your world." Yeah, dumplings. You would just yeah. be devastated. Well, <laughs> just dumplings. Yeah. yeah, a couple. Like you know, if I can't have dumplings anymore, I would be yeah. I I feel like there would be no reason. <laughs> to eat anything anymore <laughs> um another one i guess would be like uh pho i love love pho it's mm. um you know i feel like this is a little bit blasphemous for being a chinese american who like you know whose family is really kind of like noodles are kind of sacred to everything but if i really had to choose my favorite noodle soups i kind of feel like a good bowl of pho is hard to beat um yeah like you know, some people, ha I feel like recently there's been kind of this um, weird um, trend where like a lot of food um, writers or magazines will be kind of putting ramen versus pho uh, against each I've other. I've noticed that as and, well. Yeah, it's weird because like, well, you know, they have both existed before American food trends like caught on to mm -hmm. it. And then they're also from two wildly different Asian cultures. They're made in very different ways. And mm -hmm. the kind of like flavor that they're both uh, like what a good ramen or what a good pho tries to achieve are also totally different. So, mm -hmm. but I mean, like, you know, if they, if anyone asks me, which would you choose, ramen or pho? I would probably 99% of the time go for pho, to be, to be All honest. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And then I think tuna sashimi. It's just Ooh, like yeah. fish in general, I feel like hard pressed to live without. Yeah. That's so interesting to me. Like, my boyfriend is allergic to fish. That's uh, so, so unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if it's shellfish or, like, just freshwater fish uh -huh. or saltwater fish. Like, he's, I don't think he really knows. Right. Uh, so I basically avoid it. But when, like, when we're not together, I'll, I, like, I love shrimp mm -hmm. and I love tuna. Right. And crab is good. I love crab. Yeah, I can't, I, I can't eat as, as much of it anymore. I'm born and raised in Maryland, right? Crab is kind of a big deal. Uh, but crabs give me stomach aches nowadays. Oh no! So you know, I don't quite know why. Um, like my parents have given me some, you know, like kind of a Chinese folkwives, uh, like midwives, like tale uh, to why. And you know, I kind of scoffed at it, but I kind of feel like there is some truth to it uh, nowadays. Um, there's a belief that like the foods that you eat have like different like I guess elements to them. Like they're either cold oriented or they're hot oriented um okay. and it's kind of like that yin and yang balance sort of thing um and so like for instance like an orange is um it's more cold uh in nature like you know it's a winter fruit and whatnot so for women um the idea is that like women can't have uh can't eat too many uh cold oriented uh foods it's bad for their health um and like, um, and sometimes like, you know, uh, like if it's a really particularly cold day out or if you're on your like kind of period, um, mm -hmm. 
what like what um midwives and or like mothers will like kind of urge their daughters like my mom to me to eat will be like red bean soup ginger um and uh, like kind of like lotus seeds or something and or dates dates is a big one so they're all things that kind of apparently uh help the blood flow or like kind of help you regain like certain like nutrients that you lose from Mm -hmm. uh, being on your period um and they're also warming to the body they're warm in nature so my mom says like crab is very very cold nature so i can see that yeah, yeah and i and i did remember like growing up whenever my family had crab they would always put ginger in their vinegar dip so um yeah so like you know the maryland thing is like you know it's old bay and like uh, uh malt vinegar right but then like, you know in my family we also we had like rice vinegar and ginger with the crabs and i would not get a stomach ache so mm-hmm. But as an adult, when I ate crabs without ginger, like a, just kind of some, maybe some pickled ginger nearby, I would immediately get like a horrible, horrible stomach ache afterwards. So I don't know. So I don't know if it's like, you know, mental or, you know, not sure. That's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I've heard theories about like, depending on like your body, mm-hmm. your blood type, yeah. like you're supposed to eat different foods. Hmm. And I find... Because I do think, like, I think there's a lot of truth to, like, different people with, like, different mm-hmm. bodies needing different yeah. foods. And, like, everyone knows, like, what their body, not, yep. not what their body needs, but, like, everyone's body's different. Right. And nobody knows your body like you do. Right. Yeah. And so, like, whatever, like, your body's truth is mm-hmm. regarding the food, like, some people, like, feel their best when they're being a vegan. And I'm oh, like, more yeah. power to you, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's so interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read up on that. Yeah. That's very... I feel like, in general, for me, I feel like, in general, I'm like, yeah, I feel better when I'm not hungry. If I'm hungry, <laughs> I mean, Same. my partner can attest to this, it's like, when I'm hungry, my mood is just kind of monstrous, and I am, like, I am too. I get really grumpy. Yes. Yeah, like, <laughs> Especially, like, you know when you're at a convention and everyone's trying to decide where they want to eat? Yeah. And, it's just and like, I'm like, just, just feed just me. Feed just choose one because I'm angry. <laughs> I need to eat right now. Yeah. yeah, I mean. Oh, man, I can totally relate. My mom actually saved me at the last Small Press Expo because she came with, uh, she was, yeah, since we live so close by, she, I was like, Mom, you should come visit me at Small Press Expo one day mm-hmm. and, like, kind of see, like, what it is I do uh, professionally. And so she's like, okay, um, have you eaten? Can you get away for lunch? I'm like, no, probably not. And she's like, oh, okay, I'll bring you some um, some steamed buns and that, you know, my uncle made. And so, like, thankfully, she came with a huge Tupperware full of, like, steamed buns. But even then, I didn't have as much time to eat. She's like, oh, this is a hard life for you <laughs> type of thing. But it's just like, just like one steamed bun kind of, like, saved me, like, uh, from, you know, just, like, that zone where you're just hungry and angry and like you know yeah. everything sucks and um yeah and it definitely i know it definitely saved a few of my other friends who also tabled too and like you know they're like oh thank god buns yeah <laughs> the best buds are the ones that bring you snacks without you even asking yeah. uh i think it was tcaf last year my friend mike brought us carrot sticks and gummy worms gummy bears and was like, I thought these would be good. And I was like, these carrot sticks are the the best thing I've yeah. ever eaten in my life. Yep. I mean, when you're hungry, yeah. you know. <laughs> anything yeah. will do. So. It is kind of nice, like, how anything tastes good when you're hungry. Mm. Like, it can really change your perception on a dish. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's interesting and good. Uh, so what's, 
like a food that you wish were healthy, but it isn't, i.e. Mm. like something that you would love to eat all the time, but mm. you know, you probably shouldn't, or something that maybe you're allergic to or makes you feel bad, like crab. Yeah, crab. <laughs> that you wish you could eat more of. And honestly, yeah, I feel like a lot of times with shellfish too, like I have high cholesterol. It runs in the family. Mm. And, you know, this is something that we kind of get on my uncle's case about. So, like, he loves Chinese buffets. It's kind of a thing with us because at Chinese buffets, you have a lot of access to seafood. Tons and tons of, like, you know, just, like, crabs and lobsters. And if you pace yourself, you can get, like, your money's worth. Um, But, Mm -hmm. look, he's had two heart attacks. And, um, and, you know, he used to smoke. So that was kind of like mm-hmm. definitely the thing that um, uh, brought that like, you know, risk up even more. So we have a, we have a family history mm-hmm. of kind of high cholesterol and, um, you know, then uh, smoking on top of that, you know, you know, people usually talk about like lung uh, diseases with uh, smoking, but actually yeah. your heart will probably like is at more risk than your lungs. And that definitely was the case for him. So he's stopped cold turkey now, thankfully. Um, but the thing that he has a really hard time resisting is seafood, is shellfish. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I can resist it a little bit more simply because I'm like, I don't uh, have as much time and access to uh, seafood. But I, it's something that I definitely also have to uh, watch out for myself. Um, I think for me, it's more things like eggs. Um, I love, Mm, I I really love eggs and, you know, but, you know, I can't, um, I should pace myself on eggs (laughs) because of the high cholesterol (laughs) thing. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm fortunate in that I don't actually have as big of a sweet tooth, um, as a, like a lot of We've talked about Mm -hmm. this before. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So like desserts is like fruit to me. And if I do... Uh, it's not that I don't like sweets, but it's like if I eat something sweet, like a cake or something, that's a meal in and of itself. Um, no, I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. So usually after dinner, I like I don't feel the need to have another like, uh, like decadent chocolate thing or something. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I wish burgers were healthy. <laughs> 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 you know, like sometimes it just yeah, like I had. I have many of Five Guys cravings sometimes, and it's like, well. Five Guys. I love going to Five Guys and getting the grilled cheese mm-hmm. with just the mushrooms on it. Oh, interesting. Very good. Yeah. I had yeah, an, I almost never get their burgers. Yeah, I had an in and out <laughs> burger for the first time last time I went to California. And <laughs> How was it? It was all right. I mean, like. I don't think I've ever had one. Yeah, I mean, because it's such a, like, you know, I think that, like, if you grew up with it, then mm-hmm. this is the best goddamn burger ever. Uh, to you however like kind of going there and you know I definitely had some California friends who were absolutely incensed that I felt this way I've like I had it I'm like you know I still like five guys more and they were like blasphemy <laughs> so like how dare you yeah I I I don't mean I don't haven't had I haven't had it in and out mm-hmm. but I've definitely had that experience with lots of foods mm-hmm. where <laughs> friends like from the area that like grew up eating it are like this is the best thing ever yeah divisive i mean i feel like we've all had that experience i mean i think it's funny like what food topics are divisive amongst like people and their friends um Mm -hmm. like you know i guess if you're yeah if you have friends who are californian saying like an in and out burger is just okay is kind of like you know the worst and another one that i also kind of don't quite get is uh shake shack 
Um, oh my god, I have a friend who's obsessed with Shake Shack. I don't get it. She comes to Chicago. <laughs> she goes to Shake Shack, and I still haven't been. Right. I've lived in Chicago for like four years now, and I still haven't I been mean, to Shake Shack. I this hear year. the one in New York is amazing, but I, you know, the one in DC is like it's just okay, I guess. Like, um, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just I don't like my burgers flat, and uh, Shake Shack definitely smushes it down flat. I don't know if every shake. See, I like a really thin burger. Really? So, yeah, so that's just the thing, right? I'd probably like, like In-N-Out. Maybe. Yeah, In-N-Out also has thin patties. And, you know, I was like, it's okay, I guess. So, but, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, in terms of kind of these, like, kind of new, uh, newish, I guess, burger joints type of thing, I feel like, I don't know, I, I still kind of feel like Five Guys is definitely my go-to uh, burger uh, fix place. So, yeah, Five Guys is really good. Yeah. I also really enjoy a Wendy's burger. Hmm. Uh, my boyfriend and I go to Wendy's every time he visits. I've never. Uh, and there's this place in Chicago called Au Cheval, mm-hmm. and they have a burger joint, like a separate burger joint that's just called Small Cheval. Hmm. And it's just burgers and shakes and fries. Right. And those burgers are, like, the menu is very short. Right. It's like, do you want cheese on it or not? Oh, <laughs> and okay. it's so good. Is it one of those places that'll kick you out if you, like, ask for ketchup? <laughs> No, I don't think so. But they do have, they'll put Baileys in their milkshakes, which is pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. No, yeah, I but mean, it's also like $13 for a, fry, a small fry and a burger. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm like that mid-Atlantic heathen who will like put all day like on my fries and like burgers and basically most, a lot of things. Do you like poutine? I do love poutine. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. We were just talking about fries and I thought about poutine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have, I haven't had a good poutine in a, in a long while, um, best best poutine I the ever best had. I ever had was in Montreal. Yeah, me too. Right, like so, uh, like really kind of loaded poutine with mm-hmm. different kind of like toppings too. Um, I don't remember where I had it, but yeah, it's a good Canadian memory. Maybe I'll get it, uh, get some poutine uh, at TCAF. For, uh, yes, so. uh, the Big Smoke Burger across from the library actually does a decent poutine, uh, from what I can remember. But yeah, my favorite poutine I ever had was in Montreal, and it had mushrooms on it. Yeah, that's awesome. It was very good. I would do that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, like you know, I feel like a lot of times I've had like poutine, quote unquote, um, air quote poutine mm-hmm. here in the states, but they're all kind of like, well, this is more like cheesy fries than poutine. Yeah. yeah. And. Yeah, like it has to be curd. Yes. Right. Or occasionally shredded mozzarella. I know even places in Canada do the shredded mozzarella right. thing. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just like there's certain there's a certain kind of level of like. Uh, hardiness that it that makes it a poutine mm-hmm. I feel like and gravy has to have gravy or some sort of like yeah like uh, sauce it should definitely have gravy yeah like, <laughs> that's um, like what makes yeah it if it's just like melted cheese and some bacon bits on top it's like that's just cheesy fries so yep that's absolutely yeah. just cheesy fries uh so what is a food that you want to try to eat more of hmm oh leafy greens uh, that's a, that's yeah. a really boring answer, but it's like that's probably true. Um, yeah, I feel like everyone's answer to this question is vegetables. I I actually eat a fair amount of vegetables, but not mm-hmm. as much leafy greens. I eat a lot of root vegetables, uh, like carrots, yeah, radishes, um, and then like I guess I don't know if a mushroom counts as a vegetable or not. Um, but I count it yeah. as a vegetable even if it's yeah. not. I don't know. But I will it's... say I always have a head of napa cabbage in the fridge because it's very very versatile and it keeps for a long time. So um, it's really mm-hmm. good to just like kind of cut up some apple cabbage um, with some mushrooms or like, you know, you can saute it with like sausage, you can saute it with mushrooms, you can stick it in soup. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so like a few 
there's like a few vegetables that I kind of always get on my grocery trips. And that's like Napa cabbage, tomatoes and carrots. Um, and then, yeah. you know, I have my typical like kind of uh, Chinese uh, veggie seasonings, which is green scallions, um, ginger and garlic. So just having those basics, you can already create a lot of things. Um, yeah, there's so yeah. many things you can do with like those are just defaults right. in your fridge at all times. Yeah. So I mean, but I want to try to kind of like, I feel like I I use napa cabbage a lot. I saute a lot of napa cabbage. I stick it in soup. But I could also like do more with other leafy greens. In Chinese cooking, mm-hmm. there's a lot of like different types of leafy greens, um, and they're all all like something choy. Their names are all like. I was gonna choy. say. <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> um, there was like a really funny like kind of uh, thing I saw on the internet at a Chinese grocery store. Their sign for a vegetable. Uh, it's it's called like in Chinese it's called like a tai, which like a sometimes uh, spelled with like two a's. It's like and sometimes it's called a choy, but then like mm-hmm. this translation choy just means vegetable. Choy choy just implies like I didn't know green. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so but this uh, sign on this like kind of leafy green was a vegetable. Like, it's like oh like, I know what it means but like it reads in a really funny way it's like a vegetable like yeah <laughs> yes it is <laughs> but yeah but which one yeah it's like well, this one oh <laughs> um, but yeah so there's yeah another one I really like are like sweet potato greens or beet greens oh yeah. yes so, yeah uh, they're really um yeah and they're simple you know you saute them garlic and they're perfect so. So I don't know why I don't like you know make more of it, but um, I just should should. Yeah, mm-hmm. same, same. To be honest, I've been really into spinach mixed in pretty much anything mm-hmm. until it's wilted a bit right. lately. Or I mean, it's always so easy to smoke. I just really like spinach. Also, I was anemic for like years, mm, okay. and so yeah. and spinach is full of iron. So I was eating a lot of spinach. Mm-hmm. I've also been really into kale lately, which. Every person is because kale's super trendy right now. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I've never actually gotten into kale because I'm, I don't know. I'm not sure like what it tastes like. <laughs> like oddly enough, I mean, I like kale chips, I guess, but that's probably more for the crunch aspect than yeah, for the taste yeah, aspect. Definitely. So, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I always thought that there were more I think flavorful just greens. I love arugula. Arugula is my favorite. Yes, arugula is yes. great. It's yeah, my arugula's favorite really raw good. green. Is yeah i feel like as a kid the only thing i like new spinach and then i knew like mm-hmm. iceberg lettuce yeah <laughs> and that was it i i mean i'll admit i or like that's all my yeah. parents bought i'll admit i hated broccoli, i guess but that's not really uh, the same yeah i hated lettuce for the longest time um because it had no flavor I did too and you know i always got mad whenever yeah. like if i had a salad that it would be like 90 percent lettuce and like you know just the other bits would be like tiny mm-hmm. or something because you know, it, it was frustrating mm-hmm. to eat because I felt like I was like you know um like shaving through a forest with my mouth that type of thing and yeah. it was just like it would get all over but it would feel really unsatisfactory because it doesn't taste like much um and you know the bits that like you know you feel satisfied by are so tiny so I think the angriest that I've been was like at a uh, brew pub I got a chicken salad and there was like four slices of chicken in like a giant like woods of like lettuce and i was really mad <laughs> yeah because at that point it's i mean salads are already like really expensive at places exactly too. 
So, and that's also why I don't order salads because I'm like, but it's, you didn't even cook it. Like, so. <laughs> it's like, it's just a pile. I mean, if it's a, if it's a spinach salad yeah. with like fruit and a really good vinaigrette yeah. and a bunch of like nuts and seeds and stuff, I'm like, yeah, I'll spend seven to $10 on right. that if it's like good. Oh, but like, if it's like, like iceberg lettuce, yeah. like I'm like. This you, is the this cheapest like- lettuce ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you made me pay $12 for it. So Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. It's like I might as well have just gone to a farm, picked up a like head of lettuce and bit into it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah. So sometimes like um, like I like salads sort of, but I hate ordering salads at restaurants because of that. They always yeah. like it's like oh yes, here's like a plate full of leaves. So it's like it's like when you go to like a really good like farm to table mm-hmm. restaurant. I feel like they really like know what they're doing mm-hmm. with the salad but then the salad's also like twenty dollars so yeah. you're like uh. Uh. <laughs> yeah i'm like uh. my favorite salad lately is shaved brussels sprouts like Ooh. raw interesting and then like some like lemon juice mm-hmm. and some parmesan cheese maybe some pistachios mm-hmm. or like apple shredded in there too brussels sprouts make a very very good salad base mm, yummy i love brussels sprouts they usually have yeah. them grilled though yeah like, um yeah i don't know or grilled or roasted Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say I'm kind of like, I learned like, you know, a while back that apparently the French don't really do salads, they cook their vegetables. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of similar mm-hmm. to the Chinese, like we saute our greens type of thing. I feel um, like it's a very southern thing too. Yeah, it's, it's like, like, you want to cook those vegetables till they're like mushy. Yeah. Well, like, know, <laughs> or they have like the nice char, like crisp to them, right? Um, I don't know, like eating vegetables mm-hmm. raw was kind of odd for me like for a long time until i discovered arugula and then i made a lot of arugula salads <laughs> so mm-hmm. and then uh panera's summer chicken salad with uh the s- strawberries and blueberries it's a seasonal salad they have i'm really weak for that so yeah in terms of kind of like your typical american chicken salads somehow the panera um summer strawberry and chicken salad is my weakness when it comes to salads that sounds so good yeah. i've been really into panera lately they have an amazing uh french onion soup yeah like a really good french onion yeah. soup they do like i mean sometimes like you know people will say but it's like but it's panera i'm like yeah but sometimes you just they just have something that like you know you like um like like when you know what mm-hmm. you want you can go to a panera and you can yeah. get it like panera has a very vast menu mm-hmm. And you're like, I just want a really good sandwich. Right. It's like, yeah, like you can go to Panera and get your right. side of soup and you're good to yeah. go. And, you know, I'll admit, I didn't, like, get mac and cheese for a long time because I didn't grow up with it necessarily. Mm-hmm. I had it at, like, school mm-hmm. lunches, and school lunch mac and cheese is, uh. No. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> oh, and then, or, like, I'd see, like, friends with, like, craft mac, like, Easy Mac, and I'm like, that's kind of gross. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah, Easy yeah, Mac's also like, not great. <laughs> but then I had, like, uh... Panera's Vermont white cheddar mac and cheese in my like oh it was like a whole veil had been lifted from my eyes so yeah yeah I yeah I haven't had Panera's but Panera's is pretty good I think uh Noodles and Co has a fairly decent mac and cheese <laughs> Potbellies which I think is a Chicago brand we have Potbellies here but yeah pot, you, oh, yeah. Dude, they have a really good mac and cheese like probably oh. one of the best ones of that kind of like you yeah. know sandwich shoppy fast not fast food yeah. but you know what I mean like quick lunch yeah. kind of place yeah uh, very good mac and cheese kind of um a little bit more upscale like uh, fast food it's still fast mm-hmm. food like you know, to be honest like, yeah yeah it's so, very quick yeah. it's quick food yeah noodles and company <laughs> gosh i have like a funny story about noodles and company i don't i have never like actually eaten at noodles and company that often mm-hmm. but this is one time a friend of mine texted me a photo 
um, of something that she was eating at Noodles and Company. She was like, looking at this, what would you say this is? And all I saw was like something, I guess it was made of dough, but it was kind of like really flat and kind of like boat shaped or something. And I was like, what is it? I don't know. Is it supposed to be a doughy leaf or something? And apparently that was their attempt at potstickers. And I'm like, oh, oh no. wait a minute, how did it get so flat <laughs> or something? Yeah, Noodles & Co. Yeah. isn't great, but we, we get it for company lunches sometimes because mm-hmm. they do like catering yeah. and the mac and cheese is okay. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I'm like, wait, but how did it deflate like that? How did that <laughs> So, um, but yeah. Do you have like a favorite like childhood food that was super like – I loved like bologna mm. or like, you know, a Lunchable, like something that like was definitely bad for you, but you maybe still really like it. Or maybe you like hate it now and you can't stand it and you can't mm. believe you ever ate it as a kid. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if there's like something that I hate nowadays. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird because like I definitely as a kid, like, you know, I, we, ha- we have that like kind of um, that moment that's kind of similar to... Um, that's to come fresh off the boat had that moment where like oh he uh, the little boy brings Chinese food to school and he gets made fun of so he's like we have to go get lunchables but it's like um mm-hmm. it's really expensive for not a lot of food I realized yeah, that they are not filling no yeah and as a kid I feel like I also I felt like I wasted a lot of it because I just didn't like the cheese that they had in there the crackers were kind of like dry if I like already finished my Capri Sun so I just ate the meat <laughs> <laughs> and it's like yeah that was not worth the money at all um no. let's see what did i eat as a kid that i can't stand now i don't know if i have any oh uh i remember eating a lot of warheads sour warheads oh yeah warheads. and you know how like kids they challenge each other to like you know how many warheads can you stick in your mouth at once <laughs> and not be like you know super like reactive yeah. or something like that cry yeah so you know I feel like I really, I still do. I like sour flavored stuff. Like sour candy is probably still a weakness for me. But I don't have, maybe it's because my teeth have gotten more sensitive now uh, as an adult, but I don't crave like supremely sour things anymore. It has to be balanced mm-hmm. or something. So, yeah. yeah. I feel like I've gotten more into sour stuff as I've gotten older, mm. but I have like no spice tolerance. Mm. So I feel like it kind of itches that same scratch. I, I feel like sour and spicy yeah. can be mm-hmm. kind of so, they mean, both wreak havoc on your mouth. Yeah, sour, <laughs> sour and spicy is definitely my favorite flavor combination. So I definitely mm-hmm. do eat a lot. And my favorite kind of uh, cuisine, specifically, my favorite Chinese cuisine specifically is Sichuan, which is very spicy. Not everything spicy. Like um, it has actually a broad like kind of um, depth of flavor. But what they're one of the things that they're most well known for is this numbing peppercorn spice. And it's usually paired oh. with something sour. So, okay. um, yeah. So there is this like a uh, fish stew that's um, sour pickled mustard greens and a spicy fish um, stew. And that's like my favorite, one of my favorite um, Sichuanese dishes uh, ever. Oh, cool. Yeah. Whenever I go to like a new Sichuanese restaurant that specializes in Sichuanese cuisine, the things that I get to kind of test um, yeah. The restaurant is uh, the fish stew, um, the uh, f- uh, garlic fragrant eggplant, and the mapo tofu. Yeah. Okay. So those are kind of so, yeah three dishes that I'm like if they do these dishes well then you know that this is a legit place. So 
though. Like, everything else is probably also good. Yeah, I mean, because, like, you know, a lot of things, a lot of things kind of uses the same cooking techniques, but with, like, different mix and match ingredients. Like, maybe instead of fish, it's chicken mm-hmm. or something like that. So, um, but yeah, there's a few kind of, like, techniques that, like, you know, if they do it well, then you know that this place is uh, right. Like, uh, Is there food that you hated as a kid, but you love it now? Uh, uh kind of the opposite of the last question <laughs> uh brussels sprouts i guess yeah like um i feel like the, everyone says that yeah. everyone hated brussels sprouts as a kid it's, but they love them as yeah, an adult because I mean, we were served them bad yeah, as mm-hmm. kids yeah i mean and uh probably mac and cheese too like you know because growing up yeah. like school mac and cheese was just not good and like it kind of mm-hmm. like you know made me kind of think of mac and cheese in a certain way that is like kind of uh slightly traumatizing so it's also like yeah. it, it's like neon orange yeah like you know is this like cheese mushy. or is it you know like plastic i don't know like, yeah so, um yeah i mean i was also kind of a weird kid that there were things that i loved as a kid that no other kid liked um and mm. i still love as an adult eggplant is one of those things it's like everyone's like you know eggplant's gross it's disgusting how can you eat it? i'm like i think it's amazing and i think it did <laughs> i guess i don't know like you know we mom cooks it well i guess so um yeah yeah my mom's a good cook yeah so um yeah but i think it's like there's some things that had like a bit more of a that vegetable bitter flavor that i I, honestly most kids don't like um that i think as an adult Mm -hmm. you kind of appreciate more uh now having said that my nemesis my vegetable nemesis as a kid was the bitter melon and i still hate it today I don't think I've had bitter It's bitter. <laughs> it is exactly what it says on the tin. It's a bitter, bitter melon. melon. Uh, in general, I do not like melon. It's probably the only fruit that I don't like. Like, I don't like watermelon. Yeah. I don't like cantaloupe. I don't like honeydew. I don't like any yeah. melon. I think, I don't know if the bitter melon is actually a melon, like, scientifically. It might be, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a gourd. Or, like. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Or a squash or something. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> But it's bitter, and it tastes, it's not that, like, you know, pleasant chocolate bitter. It's a very, like, vegetable bitter. And I know that mm-hmm. it's, like, you know, and it's one of those things that, you know, my older generation family members are like, it's really good for you. It's really healthy for you. So you should eat it. And recently I had some of it, too. And I could, like, objectively know that, oh, this is a well-made bitter melon dish. It was, like, a, uh, it was, again, at my God, restaurant's bitter melon with, like, um, uh, like fried pork and black bean sauce and it was like you know that sounds really like good. objectively speaking it's like the layering of flavors with like kind of this sharp savoriness and the uh the more sweet bitterness it's like objectively i knew that this was a good good dish mm-hmm. but when i ate it i just could not get over that after flavor of bitterness that punches you in the tongue and i was just like yep i'm done <laughs> like so um, it just didn't didn't agree with you. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, when I first ate it, I was like, when I first, that first kind of, like, flavor, I was like, oh, this is good. But then that after flavor of bitterness that stays with you was just like, oh. Mm-hmm. So. so. I need to go, I need to go try this bitter melon <laughs> so that I can, like, understand yeah. what you mean. Right. Because I can only imagine yeah. right now. <laughs> it's I also have like a traumatizing like experience with it where you know in terms of like kind of you know your family thinking that something is uh, kind of healthy and whatnot or something so my mom at some period of time in when I was in high school got into smoothies um, mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. and she found all these kind of like home remedies for like healthy smoothies 
and I don't even know why she got into it. She's not a trainer or anything. Um, but there was one time I was like on the computer and I think I was like uh, chatting with a friend over homework or something. And she came and handed me a large glass of this smoothie. And it was this kind of like light green color. I thought it was honeydew. Uh-huh. And I drank it and I immediately just like retched because it was so, so, so bitter. It had bitter melon in it, it had green pepper, it had green apple. She was like, oh yeah, I found this home remedy for like green food smoothie and it's supposed to be really healthy for you. And I'm like, you know, I'm sure it is because all those things are really healthy, but I would like to eat them separately and not together. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, That's, that might have traumatized me from like kind of the after flavor. Green pepper, you said. Yeah, bell pepper. My, green pepper? Green bell pepper. Yeah, mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, so, <laughs> so. Yeah, that was an experience. That is not going to be in my mom noms. Do you have any favorite restaurants, like either where you live mm. or far away that you like fantasize about going mm. to, or ones that you go to all the time? Um, well, it, my God on's restaurant was called Michael's Noodles mm-hmm. um, in Rockville, Maryland, and that was, uh, yeah, like and I have many many a family memory um, there, and it's unfortunately closing. Um, Another place, a lot of people kind of around here ask me, it's like, oh, do I know of a good dumpling place that isn't my uncle's house uh, around here? And there is one restaurant. Uh, it's in Its English name is China Bistro, um, which is a very nondescript name. And it's on the outside, it looks kind of like a hole in the wall. But it has, uh, in my opinion, the best dumplings in the area. And its, it's Chinese name is actually more like uh, welcoming. It's uh, translated as like mama's dumplings. So and Ooh. it definitely kind of it feels that like that. It's a very very small place. They go in. There's like not a lot of like seating, but um, mm-hmm. the dumplings have that homemade um, like feel to them. So um, yeah, those are like one of my favorite restaurants in the area. Um, let's see what else. I feel like I'm fortunate in that I feel like Rockville, Maryland does have a lot of good restaurants. You just kind of have to like find them. And um, let's see. In like kind of the Maryland DC area, we're known for Ethiopian food, um, and I do have a favorite Ethiopian restaurant, which is um, the Queen of Sheba in uh, DC, and yeah, it's really good. Um, let's see, there's a Korean restaurant called Moa uh, nearby. It's also very nearby SPX, so uh, going to Small Press Expo, wow, this is a place to, to visit. Yeah. Uh, and it definitely looks really, really sketchy on the outside because it's just this restaurant in the middle of a rather industrial, like, warehouse-y area. Uh, gotcha. But the inside is great. And, you know, they have, they do uh, Korean barbecue, but they also have, uh, that's usually not what I go there for. It's, uh, they have, like, Korean stews and noodles and uh, rice dishes as well. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm going to link that so people can... Yeah can look it up for when they're at SPX. Yeah. And like, oh, also another thing, where SPX is located in this, this is my neck of the woods, and we're, we love our Peruvian chicken. <laughs> so uh, mm. Peruvian chicken is kind of um, a thing, and there is a restaurant called La Limeña um, that okay. makes, I think, personally, I think the best Peruvian chicken uh, on the uh, Rockville Pike, which is that stretch that um, mm-hmm. the SPX building is also off of. Uh, and they also have um, other kind of Peruvian dishes, not just um, 
chicken and they make a really really good ceviche so oh yeah i love ceviche that's why i can imagine <laughs> yeah it's like it's raw fish <laughs> it's like my thing yeah i'm like it's fish yep. <laughs> uh, what are your favorite like either to cook or to eat at a restaurant like your go-to favorite dishes or ingredients mm, like if you yeah. see that ingredient in the like list of ingredients in a dish you're like oh yeah i'm gonna have eggplant that. yeah i'm oh yeah am, yeah, yeah like any like kind of dish particularly when i go to like new restaurants and whatnot like if they like kind of utilize egg, uh, eggplant in it i will already be kind of like zeroing in on that dish so um yeah i love eggplants in all its forms I feel like eggplant can be really underappreciated. Absolutely. Some people hate it. And, like, you know, and I can understand yeah, I, I, like, I, I don't hate it. Yeah. I like it. I remember a friend asking me what, like, the worst vegetable was, like, raw. And I remember thinking about eggplant. But I've also never had raw eggplant. I it's just spongy. I don't think you can have it raw because it's kind of poisonous. Maybe maybe you're not supposed yeah, to. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> like, because, like, eggplants and tomatoes and potatoes are all nightshades. They're nightshades. Yeah, and tomato, yeah. like, you can have raw, sort of, but, like, not too much of raw, apparently, because that'll make you sick. Um, oh, I didn't know that. I think so, yeah. Um, or, like, there's a there's some mm. stage, I forgot exactly what, but I I remember that like, there's some stage of a tomato that you have raw will make you sick because it's poisonous or something. So, <laughs> yeah, and they're, yeah, they're night... I eat so many raw tomatoes! <laughs> Yeah, like, and there's definitely, like, chemical compound in eggplants that if they're, like, not cooked out and you eat too much raw, or you eat it raw, like, Ooh. it's not good for you. <laughs> I don't think we were actually, like, we weren't talking about, like, oh, yeah, I love to eat eggplant raw. <laughs> like, we were just, I like, I don't know anyone you know. that does that. Like, so, <laughs> um, like you're not supposed yeah. to. Of course it doesn't taste great. I mean, the worst, the worst edible, I guess, vegetable to eat raw, uh, bitter melon. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like. I'm not sure you can beat that in terms of like just raw like vegetable type bitter content. Yeah. What's your uh if you had like a perfect meal or like mm. a perfect food day? Mm. What would it be? I am spoiled because I think that I've had multiple perfect food days uh with you know <laughs> my uh, my family. Um and you know the strongest kind of like one of that that stays in my mind is usually kind of going to uh, my uncle's place. Um, this is the uncle that makes dumplings from scratch. And he's, you know, anytime that I tell him, it's like, oh, I'm just swinging by, let's just eat something simple. His idea of simple kind of gets out of hand and becomes like not quite so simple at all. And one of the most perfect food spreads is like, you know, uh, freshly made boiled dumplings with a pot of like kind of soup, either hot and sour or his like seaweed egg drop soup. And, um, raw tuna sashimi on the table um and he gets like you know like packs of it and slices it himself you know so it's really fresh um and yeah that's that's pretty perfect actually and another kind of like uh this is kind of a northern chinese like kind of thing even though my my family is not immediately from northern china i think like like you know our ancestors are and it's interesting that this is the thing that is like apparently passed down but uh, we like to eat our hot, hot dough products with raw garlic. It's like the sensation okay. of having like hot, freshly made noodles or dumplings with like the, um, the sensation of like garlic. We, we, we each kind of no, get can, like one small clove. I can see clove. how that would be appealing. Yeah. So, and it's, yeah. it, it ignites your senses and kind of clears the passageways of your like kind of uh, your sinuses and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So like it makes you feel like 
um, I don't know, exhilarated. Yeah, yeah. And you sweat, (laughs) and you know, you usually kind of do this more in the winter, where like you know, you kind of like sweat out like what they believe, like Uh kind of um, you sweat out the bad stuff, right? And you clear your passages, and it's it's comforting. Yeah, I can see how that would be Mm -hmm. really appealing. Like it's like verging on too much. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. So it's that's, like, yeah. And of course, really like good. with the tuna sashimi, you have wasabi on the side. So it's like you have wasabi and you have raw garlic. And it's like, you know, just make sure you, I, I kind of plan it nowadays where I'm like, you know, make sure that like the next day is like not a work day type of thing. Mm-hmm. Or, um, but yeah, like that's kind of like kind of a, a sensation of kind of eating that's not just taste. It's also like kind of your, uh, your, your other senses that also kind of get fired up. Yeah. Too. So. Yeah. Do you have a like a favorite food memory, like either a family memory or like as an adult something that you remember mm-hmm. fondly makes you feel good? Mm. Um, I have a recent one. I don't know if it's my favorite one, but um, mm-hmm. recently kind of I went uh, also kind of on a trip to uh, visit a friend in San Francisco. Um, we, she was telling me how like she used to live in the Richmond district and she was a student, a grad student there, and. It, grad school is extremely tough for her, like a lot of late nights and just kind of like wondering like, you know, where her life is going type of thing. Um, yeah. But there's this one Japanese crepe shop near where she lived called Genki Crepes um, that she would go to many a late night after like, you know, a, a tough time studying and she'd get a crepe there and it would, everything would be like that much better. Uh, and she, was, she took me there and it was on my list of kind of like, oh, I want to go here too. So I had like, yeah, and I had a, a green tea uh, ice cream crepe with uh, red bean and lychees in it. It's, that uh, sounds awesome. Yeah. And again, it's like, I'm usually not that into sweets, but I like, I had this crepe and it was just like, oh, I can totally see how this like, you know, kept you alive through grad school <laughs> type of thing and uh-huh. it's so much so that like kind of now that I come back to uh, Maryland I randomly kind of like think back to oh uh, that crepe I had and this one time I was sitting next to my partner and I was just like oh. I sighed kind of dramatically and he's like what's going on and I'm like nothing I'm just remembering this awesome crepe I had in San Francisco <laughs> and he was like oh. Sometimes I wish you'd think about me the way that you think about food. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I had a really awesome steamed red bean bun Mm. when I was in L.A., the one time I've been in L.A., and I think about that bun all the time, and, like, I recently went to uh, Mitsua here, Mm -hmm. which is, like, a Japanese grocery Mm -hmm. store, and bought like a variety of red bean things, yeah. <laughs> trying to like recreate that bun. Right. I don't think I ever will, unless I just went back. Yeah, yeah. To LA and ha- went to that exact same restaurant, but like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, yeah, and like I have a, a few kind of different like kind of food memories of certain things that for some reason just latched onto into my brain. Like hot mm-hmm. blonde burrito is one of them. Um, yeah, and like a lot actually from my visits to Taiwan which I've only been twice yeah like once when Mm -hmm. I was six years old and then another time 19 years later uh when I was 25 so it was like three years ago um Mm -hmm. and like so street food culture is big in Taiwan you have like uh, night markets where it's just food stalls after food stalls after food stalls 
and um you know it's it's great but it's like when you're visiting sometimes after like a night of eating out at the night market thing your memories of certain things like kind of blend in together a bit mm -hmm. um so it's like you know i objectively know something that i ate was like super delicious but what kind of like resonates in my mind and memory as like something i think back to very few specific things um and there's this once it's like a um it was a green tea soy ice cream i had on a really 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 hot day Ooh. and it's funny because i guess here in the united states when we think of soy or like to anything tofu or whatever we usually kind of think of them as like bland meat substitutes but in mm -hmm. honestly in uh, chinese cooking and i'm sure kind of in other east asian cooking too and probably southeast asian cooking um tofu is not meant to actually be a substitute for meat there's a lot of like dishes that tofu is paired with meat actually um mm -hmm. and i remember it's like and tofu actually does have a flavor supposed to it's supposed because made of beans and it's supposed to have this like fragrant bean yellow bean flavor so this ice cream that i had was unlike any green tea ice cream i've ever had because it also tasted so strongly of this fragrant soy flavor and paired with the matcha green tea it was just like heaven so that sounds yeah really good. and it was exactly what i needed because i was like sweltering hot that day um in the tropics so do this might be a silly question mm -hmm. uh but when they make ice cream that's like that mm -hmm. do they use like still like dairy milk or would they be using like soy it'd milk be a soy something? milk yeah i don't think it's it like it definitely okay. wasn't dairy but i do think that it does change because the texture was a little bit different uh it wasn't yeah. as like kind of it didn't feel as frozen as um as dairy ice cream and it definitely melted faster mm -hmm. but that that could have been because it was like you know freaking hot that day but i really definitely hot. think <laughs> that it melted faster than what an ice cream would have um and yeah so it's like so like freshly made soy milk is like supposed to be really uh, like fragrant and stuff and that's a really popular um kind of uh, breakfast item in taiwan mm -hmm. like a lot of kind of people on their way to work they get um they get soy milk freshly like kind of uh made soy milk and um a fried curler which is like a savory donut stick um oh that sounds yeah amazing. or like a uh, <laughs> or like a uh, an egg roll not a not what we think of as egg rolls, but like, um, yeah. they're like kind of like egg crepes rolled up uh, with some savory. Oh, stuff. okay. I yeah. see. Like literally an egg roll. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's like, yeah, it's like a scrambled egg crepe with some like kind of a dough batter type of thing and then rolled. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, and those, yeah, those are some like popular breakfast items um, that you get commonly in Taiwan. Um, would the soy milk be flavored in any way or just like plain? You can, there's usually two types. There's like a sweetened one um and like you know some people just prefer it plain without sugar and mm -hmm. then there's a salted one uh which actually has a little like they usually have like kind of dried shrimp and or pork floss and a chili oh, oil so yeah chili oil and then like bits of fried curler in it and i that's that's actually my favorite uh soy milk one um it's soy milk soup with uh yeah with the bits <laughs> um with the bits. yeah with the bits they're probably like flaky bits that like they put in it so and then there's like other ones that are actually more uh pulpy um because it's you have your like very very smooth kind of like soy um milk soup but then you also have ones that are kind of like more pudding like um okay. and like but they're also kind of in a sweet peanut soup um but it's like tofu that's 
really, really, really soft, silky tofu to a pudding-like consistency that they break into a soup. So the many facets of like what tofu can be, aside yeah. from just you know chicken replacement in your salad. <laughs> so yeah, I that man that all sounds so good. <laughs> but yeah, man, this is like I hadn't even thought of like savory soy milk at yeah. all. Um, and then I think my last question for mm -hmm. you was, what's something you want to try to make, or like a new technique you want to try mm. out in the near future? Oh, baking. <laughs> baking. Yeah, like, oh, I'm not a baker whatsoever um, because it's, um, like, Chinese families don't really bake at home. It's, mm -hmm. it's not to say that there are no baked goods in uh, Chinese cuisine, but it's usually not done at home. I yeah. see what you're saying. So, like, growing up, the oven was kind of storage for us, like, because that's where my mom put, like, pots and pans. Um, so <laughs> uh, even kind of, like, baking cupcakes or something was not that common for us and it's only recently that I have developed an interest in baking and also kind of like not just um, like you know cupcakes and whatnot but uh, examining kind of Chinese baked goods like egg uh, tarts those are really hard to make mm -hmm. like my mom tried once and it was a, not a, a successful they're really hard um, so I'm not there yet but um, so like yeah certain baked Chinese dim sums but also kind of like expanding to other type of um, baked goods um and I'm, I'm slowly learning like you know um how to i guess work out the how an oven works kind of like you know the temperamental the temperaments of your oven yeah. type of thing and the most recent thing that i've succeeded in baking are scones um oh and you know i have never made a successful scone oh so that's awesome doing better than yeah. i am so um yeah <laughs> i feel like i have really good feedback from some people and this like amongst one of the first things i've ever tried baking i had really good feedback because a lot of people told me that oh scones that they get at uh like coffee shops are usually too dry but like they thought they totally are yeah yeah so and the thing is like i make them with buttermilk not with heavy cream um and i don't know yeah, if that has a difference something buttermilk buttermilk's probably the way mm -hmm. to go i feel like buttermilk's better in most baked goods because i'm like a buttermilk yeah. advocate and fan mm -hmm. but yeah i'm sure that probably helps yeah so um but yeah and it's definitely one of those things where i had like one success with scones but like you know i definitely know that the second time i made it it wasn't as good as the first time so i'm still kind of mm -hmm. learning about yeah the yeah because i mean i feel like cooking on the stovetop and whatnot, it's like a lot of it is intuitive. Even kind of with like dough products, uh, like dumplings and whatnot, a lot of it is just kind of like muscle memory and intuition. Like, you know, you mm -hmm. feel the dough, is it ready? And like, you feel the like kind of consistency of the, uh, the filling, is it, you know, the texture that you want? But with baking, it's like chemistry. <laughs> so it's yeah. a different way of thinking. <laughs> it's it's so funny too because i think most people mm -hmm. i know are more comfortable cooking than baking and i'm mm. like the opposite where i feel so I, i'm pretty comfortable baking really and when it when it's something i have to do like on the stovetop i'm like uh <laughs> like anytime my boyfriend visits i need him to do like no i don't need him to but i usually will let him handle the stuff that's like cooking mm, okay. meat in a pan or like Anything that's like on the stovetop, I am kind of. That's so fascinating. I'm like completely. The it's just intimidating to me. Oh. Yeah, it's it's really. I I don't know. I think I sh I just I like. There's something about the delayed gratification of mm -hmm. baking things, 
I'm so impatient. And also, I've just baked so <laughs> yeah. many things. I'm actually, I'm so, I'm, I am so, I'm the opposite of you, so I'm so impatient. And I'm just kind of like, well, like, how do I know if this batter is going to be good? Oh, I guess I have to bake yeah. it for like 20 minutes and find out. <laughs> You'll never out. know until you bake it. <laughs> but it's like, at yeah. that point, it's like, if it's a failure, I'm like, I will feel even more like a failure because it's like, I put in so much effort into this and then it was like, blah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like the key to baking for me, at least, like the, to having like kind of an okay thing to like a really good thing is just adding more salt. Really? Huh. <laughs> adding extra salt usually hmm. does a lot. <laughs> but Salt's necessary for baking in general, right. but then when you add salt just for flavor, mm -hmm. it's like, it like brings it over the top. Oh, interesting. I don't know. So yeah, like... Mixing a lot of things by hand. Yeah, the only thing good. I've ever made is, this, uh, well, so far I feel like the, I made a flourless chocolate cake a long time ago. Um... And that was when I was able to borrow a friend's mixer. Um, and so gotcha. on my own, a part of it is also I feel like baking is daunting because of the equipment necessary. Um, and so that's why I started with the scone because I didn't need like like a mixer um, and I didn't yeah. need like cutters or anything like that. So, um, so yeah, scones were the first thing I started with. And hopefully I hope to eventually level up to things like uh, Swiss rolls. Um, Cause like oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that seems kind of ambitious, but like I my grandma really likes Swiss rolls, so I really want to be able to make a Swiss mm -hmm. roll for her. I've never made a Swiss yeah. roll. That is a, a little, I mean that is kind of ambitious, yeah. <laughs> but I feel like that's a really like good goal. Yeah. So like I, I do have I mean this is largely inspired <laughs> because I got really into watching Great British Bake Off. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> so, definitely. Uh -huh. <laughs> I was totally picturing those Swiss rolls. Right. Yeah. So I'm like I'm taking tips from uh, you know watching Great British Bake Off, and um, eventually the oven will get more use. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I hope I wish you success you. in your baking journey. Do you have anything you want to plug mm. at the end of this podcast? Um, like, what's your website? Oh yes, stuff? Twitter <laughs> right. handle. Um, so like yeah, you can find my work on www.dumplingheart, like your beating heart, dot com. Um, my Twitter handle is the same thing, Dumpling Heart, and yeah, um, I have a few kind of um, projects in the works that I'm hoping to debut at TCAF, or if not TCAF, then VanCAF and Small Press Expo. Uh, so mm -hmm. yeah, looking forward to that. It's more food things, uh, some more kind of fantasy and fiction stuff. Um, yeah, well, follow me on Twitter. What uh, mm -hmm. you mentioned TCAF and VanCAF? Mm -hmm. Yes. Do you have any other cons that you're doing? Uh, I will be at DC. Uh, so I'll be at DC Scene Fest. I'll be at Awesome Con though. Probably not really tabling. My work will be there, but I will probably be. Uh, gotcha. You know, enjoying Awesome Con, and <laughs> as as an attendee, yeah, and uh, Small Press Expo, uh, and then and then I'm waiting to hear back a few from a few other shows. So fingers crossed. So. That's a nice handful, though. Yeah. People can can find you in your work. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this was really fun. Uh, oh, again, I'm Lauren Jordan, the host of the podcast. You can find me on Twitter at LaurenMJ, L-O-R-E-M-J-Y, or at LaurenJordan.net. Uh, thanks again to Jade, and happy eating. Thanks again for listening to Amuse Bouche Podcast. The podcast is recorded and edited by me, Lauren Jordan. 
The intro music is by Christine Tuna. You can follow her on Twitter at Christine Tuna, Christine with a K, Tuna like the fish, or visit her website at ChristineTuna.com. Tuna is spelled T-H-U-N-E.com. The outro music is by Chris Smith, who creates music as Luno. You can follow him on Twitter at Lunoland or listen to his music at lunomusic.com. And happy eating! <laughs>